What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Haley Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. Good morning. It is Monday, July 13th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by 24-7 Sports National College Football writer Brandon Marcello, who has been all over the recent news in college football, and that's that two of the five Power Five conferences so far have announced moves to just play conference-only games in 2020. Uh, The Big Ten and the Pac-12 will see what else happens in the next few days. But Brandon, you wrote this weekend in your piece that that you you said that sacrificing non-conference deals might just be the difference between zero games and hundreds of college football matchups within conferences this season. So could you tell me and, and everybody else listening why conference-only schedules could save fall college football? Well, number one, the big concern and, and one that's been shared by the Big Ten is uh, universal testing protocols for COVID-19 within the conferences. And there was hope um, publicly from uh, Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott when we spoke to him at 24-7 Sports in our social distance series that that before the season, his hope was that the Power Five would have some universal testing protocols, but also reporting guidelines in which they would share information with each other, much like you would see in the NFL with an injury report. Obviously, we have not gotten to that point to where they agreed upon all that, which has led to, partially led to, the Big Ten, Big Ten making their decision Thursday to do a conference-only uh, move. And then Friday, the Pac-12 made the similar announcement of a conference-only schedule, which shows to me um, that there's just still some distrust among the Power Five commissioners for everybody to be on the same page, which is somewhat outside of all, obviously all this COVID-19 pandemic and everything we're worried about with that. But that's what's so depressing to me is that five commissioners with their schools are unable to get on the same page about literally anything these days, it seems like. And here we are, less than two months from the start of the season, less than a month from when we're supposed to be starting preseason practices, and they still can't figure it out together. And so what we're going to see now, at best, is a regional college football season that has been discussed among uh, pontificators and, and writers like myself. And the reason for us discussing all that was, one, this idea that Obviously, there'd be different hotspots everywhere and conferences wouldn't have to deal with other conferences and trying to figure out everything with universal testing protocols. The fact of the matter is, it just seemed like it was never possible that these conferences were going to be able to get on the same page, which this is a a discussion for another time, but it makes me wonder about this whole idea of the Power Five breaking off from the NCAA and doing their own super conference or whatever. How are they going to be able to do that when they can't agree on anything right now, it seems like, um, even if they do have the best intentions, at least behind the scenes, uh, to get it done. And uh, we're certainly moving to a situation where the other three Power Five conferences are going to move to a conference-only format or some type of hybrid format, 
which not to get too long-winded, but my understanding is, is that uh, the SEC and the ACC have not necessarily nixed the idea of playing some non-conference games, particularly if they involve each other, some ACC and SEC schools. For example, Georgia, Georgia Tech, or Auburn, North Carolina, which was scheduled for week two. It's possible, but that would mean a schedule that's eight conference games or nine conference games with one or two non-conference games in there. The thing that compounds that situation, makes it more difficult, in addition to COVID-19 and the agreements on texting protocols and and guidelines and quarantining and isolating, is uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame looks like it will be helped out by the ACC since it's losing so many games, to play in their conference as a conference member temporarily for this one season, which would expand that conference, obviously, to, to make it so huge that there would be some more scheduling issues all, all wrapped up in that too. So we'll see. Um, but I don't think the SEC, as it stands right now as we're recording this, I'm not so sure the SEC is going to make a final decision Monday when they decide to to move, when they they come together, the ads in Birmingham and discuss the options that are on the table, I think they're still going to stick with their timeline that was explained by Greg Sankey a couple of weeks ago. We're going to make a decision in late July or early August. Right now is a situation where they're just going to evaluate the landscape, what other conferences are doing, and what they believe they could do, and the options that they can entertain over here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you uh, seen a lot of snark on Twitter about COVID nineteen doesn't discriminate conference or non-conference games. But again, the reason why they're doing this is because they can't all get on the same page with, with their testing and, and all of that, which is again, as you you said it, it's, that's really surprising at this point. Uh, we've been kind of led to believe that these daily meetings and there's been this sense of, I don't know, like fellowship between the autonomy five. And I can't wait till someone, maybe you Brandon writes the book on this in, in a, a year or two. And, we kind of look behind the curtain and see who's at fault here. I'm interested, where do the group of five teams fall into here? Like if you have an opener, Charlotte has an opener versus Tennessee. I saw Sunday that, you know, they, they are still hoping that's on, but that's it's pie in the sky until Tennessee says, Hey, we're going conference only, but how in the world are these group of five schools going to survive this season without playing power five teams? Yeah, and I think that goes into a situation where the group of five is forced to make their own decisions among their own conferences, much like the Power Five is doing now, where it becomes more regional again. But I think it's more likely in the group of five, you see them do some non-conference schedules among themselves in the group of five, and even the FCS schools that are kind of scrambling for some games now that were canceled because of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 making their decision, and of course the potential of the ACC and the SEC and Big 12 following suit. I think that they maybe need to look inward in doing that, doing some maybe regionalized non-conference scheduling. Uh, the MAC obviously was hit badly by the Big Ten's decision since they play so many Big Ten schools during the year in non-conference. But that, that's the that's thing that was feared from the beginning in this, and it was almost seemed inevitable, is that the little guy was going to get the short end of the stick and they were going to get kicked to the curb and told to figure things out themselves and do so without, you know, the help of anybody and also in a situation where they're already uh, dependent so much on these big schools to give them money and help balance their books, so to speak, that now they're not going to be able to do that. 
in any non-conference games that arise out of this among group of five schools is not going to include them trading money. You know, it's just going to be, Hey, we do a one-time deal. We're not paying each other. You're just going to give yourself inventory uh, of games that you could potentially sell to a, uh, a network. But other than that, you're not going to get obviously like a one and a half million dollar payday from a big 10 school. And uh, that's something the group of five is going to have to come together and figure out. And in such a short period of time, I, I just don't know if they can all do that. Maybe they can, maybe they could serve as a, uh, almost like a model to the uh, power five of, Hey, this is how you get things done because right now the power five and they're all good intentions and everything uh, have fallen short as far as trying to work together and be on the same page. I thought maybe the most important point you made in the, in this piece, and we'll link to it in the show notes was the uh, protecting conference championships. And look, we're going to miss non-conference games, but you, you made this point that, yeah, like Auburn versus UNC is valuable to an extent but it benefits everybody in the SEC if they have the SEC championship game. It benefits everybody in the ACC if they can air the ACC championship game. And you're, you're mentioning this flexibility of having a conference-only schedule that's, that's eight games, maybe that's 10. You have enough flex dates to make sure that you get in this very important conference championship game. Yeah, because not only do you have some more ease of scheduling there because of the conference office, you know, being able to move these games around, but also uh, with these flex dates, you leave a lot of open uh, dates in there um, where you could potentially play games, whether they're later in the season or if you get to delay the season one or two times to where you're not starting the season until mid-October, it's still you're still able to potentially play eight games or ten games in your conference only schedule and have a conference championship in early to mid-December. Um, I think also what's going to be interesting about all this is that the Big Ten, uh, their their whole approach to this is that because we're going to a conference-only schedule and to assure that if we do start a season, whenever it is, that we get these games in, we're going we're gonna to do a schedule as such that you're going to be playing your divisional opponents most likely first. So – Mm. The idea of saying, uh, you know, Michigan playing someone across the, another division early in the season, like they already got scheduled. There's two or three games like that in the first month and a half of the season. That's probably not going to happen. They're probably going to schedule games that are early in the year or that are later in the year, early in the year. For example, the game, Michigan, Ohio State, that might be week one or week two. That's just crazy. So that, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? But it just to make sure that they get that game in. So they can make that money and also play the bigger game between the contenders and see where they are so that if they get six games in, they're not, you're not sitting there at the end of a six-game schedule going, oh, Michigan and Ohio State never played. What do we do? Uh, how do we fairly judge these teams? Because everybody would be like, well, they still play the same amount of games, but they didn't play each other, and that becomes a whole thing. So I, I think that's uh, – a very realistic thing we're going to see in the schedule whenever the Big Ten announces that in late July, it looks like you're going to see most divisional games being at the very front of the schedule. And then anything with the cross division is going to be at the end of the season. The College Football Daily will be right back. CB. 
CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Well, you talk about the beginning of the season. You talk about week one. Assuming we get some sort of season, let's say we get an eight game season. Like what, what do you think week one actually looks like? You mentioned in your article that a delayed start of the season until October 24th is doable. Like they, they could try to do that. Do you think they try to go a little bit earlier? Maybe like actually September 5th. Um, possible. Um, it's just going to depend on everything that's happening over this next month. Another thing to kind of add to this is that it's not being discussed a lot. Remember when the NCAA and its its members said, hey, we need at least six weeks to prepare for a season? Yes. Whereas four weeks of preseason camp and two weeks of mandatory workouts? Well, that calendar was supposed to start today on Monday. And the Pac-12 said, we're pausing that right now. We're not going to have mandatory workouts as it is, so indefinitely everything's suspended. So that automatically, if we're following a six-week schedule, that should delay the season, right, for the Pac-12 teams at least, unless, of course, there's the ability to maneuver and go, okay, all we need is a four-week preseason camp, then we'll start a season. But if they're going to follow through with what they were saying with we need six weeks, the Pac-12 should be delaying their, their schedule already just based off of that. And that's an issue because not only is the Pac-12 as a whole pausing their work, uh, the idea of mandatory workouts beginning, but there's schools across the country who have already paused their voluntary workouts that are outside the Pac-12 because of smaller outbreaks of COVID-19 on their rosters. And if you're wanting to get to a football season, you've got to have time to practice. And there hasn't been a lot of positive news from that other than say like a Notre Dame, which has had a very low number and seems to be handling this very well, uh, which is great news, but you kind of got to have everybody in that same realm, particularly in a conference to be able to do that, which is why the PAC 12 is doing what it's doing now with pausing mandatory workouts uh, before they even start on Monday. And the idea was to do that for a couple of weeks, then get to the preseason camp. There are so many hurdles left to even get to a season, let alone an on-time start to the season. And then we're already seeing, I think, the very first baby steps toward us not even starting the season on time, which has been the belief among Power 5 commissioners for about two weeks now, where as these numbers were rising across the country, and we wrote it at 247sports.com, early last week that uh, there, there was optimism was churning to pessimism among these power five commissioners that the season would even start on time. Time really has flown. I remember a month and a half ago, we, we said, Hey, players are coming back to campus. They're going to get things going really in earnest in mid July. And then we're going to be tracking toward an on-time season. And that's just been slip up after road bump after you know, just a, oh, it's, goodness. it's been a mess. I mean, Early June, we had a discussion with Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner, 
And he said at that time he was optimistic that we'd not only start the season on time, but we would have a full schedule. A month and about seven days later, they moved to a conference-only schedule, and he himself has COVID-19. A lot has changed just in the Pac-12 in a month, and it makes me wonder what it's going to be like in a month from now. It could be one way or the other. Things could be dramatically different on the positive side, or they could be dramatically different on the negative side. And that's what worries everybody is that we're on this trajectory. And if things get worse then a month from now, we might not be talking about, okay, delaying the season. They might just be saying numbers are so out of, out of whack. Now campuses are, are not going to allow anybody on campus, let alone even student athletes. And then we might have to cancel the football season. Cause that's another factor in all this. There's so many issues what if universities decide, hey, you cannot have anybody on campus, including student-athletes. We're sorry. This is just – we can't take the liability and the situation. All employees must go home. All students must go home. It doesn't matter. Um, there are so many things that can, that can, that can happen with that. And then, and then the other thing, what if some local governments decide you can't have gatherings of 10 or more again? Mm. What if that happens? Some of these campuses might be able to get waivers by saying, hey, we have our own testing protocols, we're handling it, but not a lot of them would. Um, and these, of course, are just kind of, you know, glass half empty approaches, but they're very realistic as we stand here today compared to what it was a month ago when we were thinking, hey, things are getting better and they should continue to get better as long as we keep doing all this. And then, boom, it exploded and uh, we're in a much different boat right now, taking on a lot of water. I pine for the days of early June. If we, if we do have a season, it's clearly going to look unlike anything we've ever seen already. I mean, we can throw out the idea of fans in the stands. And so that's, that's good put. Although some people will still try to act like they can get 25% in there. Not going to happen. You, you, you mentioned this, Brandon, the idea of games, not maybe, maybe not occurring on Saturday what's what's to stop a game on any other day of the week do you think that's possible or are you just throwing that out there i'm throwing it out there but it's possible because the tv networks are going to be so desperate for live content they're going to they're going to do whatever they can i mean what what what's espn going to do show the last dance for the 872nd time or are they going to show a mac game they're going to show a mac game live events draw more ratings draw more advertisers and draw more money no matter the content of the game, no matter what conference it is. It's just proven right now. Live events drive television networks. Unless you have event television that's not live, say the three or four top television shows in the country, live events trump those every time. So, yes, I think it is possible that the Mac could have games on a Monday and then also on a Wednesday or a Friday, and they have to move things around. Um, same with the SEC, for that matter. You might see the SEC playing Tuesday games all of a sudden, uh, out of nowhere. Content's content. Doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Because I say this, they're going to play those games at night during the week. Everybody's going to be home at night, for the most part. And they're still going to get those ratings. Um, so, Yeah. We're in a situation where obviously it's unprecedented times and we're talking about conference-only schedules and everything. But if it gets to a situation where TV networks, for them to maintain the certain amount of payout they're giving out to these conferences, 
but then they have more games that are overlapping with each other, they might say, hey, listen, we can't have all this overlapping. Let's spread these games out during a week so we can have feature your games more, make more money off of them, and then we don't have to tweak our TV contract for this year. From my perspective, from a business perspective, that makes sense to me. I know we're just brainstorming, but again, if that would happen, I'm all in on that. The The idea of Tuesday night, you wake up Tuesday morning and you know you've got A&M versus Auburn tonight, that's awesome. That, that, that would, I mean, that would be the, the thing of the day. And to do it you know, as many times as possible would feel like the NCAA basketball tournament. Um, okay, let's finish with this, Brandon. The, the college football playoff, if it happens this year, if we have a season, you would assume it would – look, if they play a season, they're going to have to figure out the playoff, which is going to look a little bit different. Is one-year expansion on the table? It's my understanding here that they're going to be – the playoff's going to be as flexible as possible. Yeah, they're going to be as flexible as possible, but this is coming up in a story, I believe it will publish today on Monday, but um, the college football playoffs still sitting there thinking they're going to do four games. Um, They haven't entertained the idea of going to eight games or whatever you want it to look like yet. And that's because two, two, two reasons why. One, they really don't have to make a decision of any sort until late October, early November, because their first poll, their first rankings, as it stands now, do not come out until November 3rd. Um, secondly, guess who makes these decisions? Hmm. Is it? Well, I'm reading your article, but I, it's not Bill Hancock, is it? No, it's the Power Five and the other FBS conference commissioners. They're the ones who make the decision. They're the one who come together and vote. So they would all have to come together and go, here's a situation we're in. What's the best way we make sure that we have the best teams in? Because we don't have any way to compare how the Pac-12 and the SEC are to each other because we didn't have any Pac-12 or SEC teams play each other. Same with the Big Ten and the ACC, potentially, or the Big Ten and the Big 12, et cetera, et cetera. So that would be your primary argument for expanding the playoff, not because the season shortened, but because you're not having cross-conference matchups in the country. And so you would probably, in my opinion, you would probably, for at least a temporary basis for one year, expand the playoff if you were to have a season and were to have conference championships, expand the playoff so you can be able to do that. Um, Does it happen? I don't know. And to be quite honest, it hasn't really been discussed among the conferences, but I could see that very well happening because the whole idea – is going to be, well, we don't know how good Oregon is because they didn't play Ohio State in week two. We don't know how good Michigan is because they didn't play Washington. We don't know how good USC is because they didn't play Alabama. Um, I think that spurs the conversation of, hey, we need to expand the playoff to allow more Power Five teams in there and maybe a group of five, but I think it'd be more focused on the Power Five. and. So you could finally get some of those cross-country games, so to speak, in a, in a neutral spot. And that's if, of course, we get to a postseason. And expanding the playoff would produce and generate just a ton more money, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The only issue would be fan attendance, obviously. I, you know, you would think it would from a television aspect. I wonder if the payout would change, though, 
to the t- to the conferences. I'm not sure if that would be the case because of the lack of maybe fan attendance or whatever. But again, these are all things that go way above my head or really anybody's head when it comes to the lawyers and what these television execs and everybody are going to be doing this year. I think that these conferences, because they're in such long-term deals already with the major networks, that they've been more willing to work with each other here for this year because they've got so much at stake in, in the five, ten years down the road. Um, I don't necessarily know that if playing more playoff games would mean a bigger payout in the sum of everything, but it might for the college football playoff. We go, wow, we're getting the double amount of money we usually get. But in the end, you weren't getting as much you were during the season from the uh, conference deal or whatever from the TV. I, I don't know. That's above my head. I don't know how much they could adjust there. That There's a story there to be written. But in my experience and trying to report on stuff like that, you're never going to get TV execs and lawyers to start discussing that and negotiating in public. Uh, you say it's over your head. It's over my head too. But I don't have much faith right now in the in the number five commissioners. So that's, I don't know. It's, um, this is going to be weird, but we'll be just over the moon if we get some sort of a season. Uh, eight games right now sounds yeah. like paradise. So it sounds like, like, wow, eight games. That sounds like a genius idea. Remember when we were playing 11, you know, yeah. regular season games and then we moved to 12 and it was like, oh, do we need 12 games? And now we're all like, man, eight games sounds really nice. Um, but that's, that's the boat we're in right now. Yeah. Well, good intel from you, Brandon Marcel. We appreciate you coming on the College Football Daily. I'm I'm pretty sure we'll have you on again uh, soon, and probably in the next few days, probably this week, because this this stuff is moving fast. We expect a few more conferences soon to join the ranks of the Big Ten and of the Pac-12 and announcing conference-only action for 2020. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. Leave us at five star rating on apple Podcasts help us get through this very long off season for brandon marcello for our producer tony levitt i'm trace scott and we will see you on tuesday for the next edition of the college football daily Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.